At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Testing. 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 I like sucking. Legit bad podcast. Welcome to Legit Bat Podcast uh, live show. If you're listening on audio, you can always find the live streams and the video for at least a week or two on rockfin.com slash legitbat. And a quick shout out, first of all, to one of our patrons, one of our new patrons, Roids, aka Preston. I will, you know, remain ambiguous with his name, but uh, I got off the phone with him a bit ago and he's going through some shit with the COVID vaccine. Uh, I don't know if he's going to lose his job or not, but... He is a very generous motherfucker and just sent us a very nice tip. So thanks, buddy. We appreciate yeah, thank you. Thank you. And you're not stupid when you're drunk. You're just drunk. I'm used to it. I'm drunk all the time. I fucking get yeah, it. Does he listen to I annoy show? you guys when I'm drunk all the time and I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> right. See? But uh, if you're if you're a first-time listener, I'm Joe. This is my wife, Jen. Hello. And we got Ben over there. And we have our guests in here. Well, virtually in here. Miguel Connor from Aeon Byte and Micah Dank who is an author, astrotheologist extraordinaire. And then we got the great Mark Steves from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy in here as well. And uh, just quick, quick thank you to our newest patrons, uh, Dave and Preston and Matt and whoever else I forgot. I'm so sorry I don't have it in front of me right now. We appreciate you all. Anyway, tonight we're going to be talking about Gnostic texts, the old Gnostic texts. And last time we had Miguel and Micah in here, it was a pretty big hit of a show. Everybody likes these guys. Uh, Miguel has a great show. He's a scholar. His wife hates his radio voice for some reason. Micah is a genius, self-proclaimed, by the way. And uh, Mark is just a great guy, down to earth, got a great show. I've been on his show. It was fun. So where do you guys want to start with this shit? Because you guys are the smart ones, and we're here to learn just like the audience. So I want to know why Ben looks like he's from the Adams family with that filter. I don't have it's, a lighting. Filter. I just look like the Adams family. He's just very pale. He doesn't like the sun. He doesn't like swimming. He's weird. I really, I hate, I hate swimming. I don't like the sun. I don't tan. No matter what I try to do, I, my freckles just connect. So there's not much I can do about it. Congratulations on your new girlfriend, by the way. 
How much do you well, pay? Not new. There was actually a comment on that, but yeah. Thank you. Are you talking about personal stuff or what? No, he's talking about how he went Facebook official with his girlfriend. Oh, right. After I didn't even think eleven months. I didn't like I I asked the lady that mentioned that because uh Lene replied, she's like, actually it's been 10 months. Uh, but yeah, always good to go Facebook official. And I was all was there a time frame I was supposed to do this? Um, because honestly, I Facebook I have all my shit like hidden anyway. And when I changed it, I I didn't think about other people seeing it. I just did it to connect. And uh, yeah, that's a like, oh. wedding band. We all know that. All right. Anyway, enough with our uh, Facebook stories. Where do you guys yeah. want to start with this? Because we're you're mentioning the Enuma Lish, which is one I'm not familiar with, so I'm looking forward to that. And what was the other one? Uh, the Secret Gospel of John. A little more familiar with that one, but not entirely. So, so to be start honest, it up. To be not honest, familiar with either. Start from zero. I don't know if we'll be able to do two, because one slot, one podcast. I mean, not one podcast. One uh, book is forty-three slides. The other one is fifty. So I don't know if we'll be able to get through all of it unless you guys just let me talk for an hour and a half, which is ridiculous. So let me <laughs> go ahead. Let me share what I have, and we'll do one, and we'll see how that works. So are we all here? Yes. Yeah, I don't see. Yes, Miguel. sir. Where's Miguel? Oh, there he is. Okay, all right. I'll just. And Miguel, down. feel feel free to jump in on Micah's ass whenever you want, because I want your uh, your unique perspective on this stuff too. No. So this is the Enuma Elish. So what we're gonna do for everybody that's listening, every time I've been on the show, the first thing I do is go over the twelve signs, because you have to know what to look for. So let's start. <clears throat> Aquarius is the first sign I talk about, which is represented by the man. You can see the guy on the right. He's a man holding a water pitcher, pouring it out. This is actually how you baptize someone. So whenever you hear baptism, man, son of man, water pitcher, fountain, stream, river, lake, pond, uh, for example, they're talking about Aquarius because it mentions the water. Pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water. So the first two signs are two fish. We don't hit land until the third sign, which is Aries, which is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also the Passover or the passing over of the sun over the equator. That's an astrotheology. In Judaism, the Passover is God passing over Egypt and slaying everybody who doesn't have the lamb or the ram's blood on their doorstep. It's also why the Jews blow the ram's horns, because they're the people of Aries. In Christianity, the Passover is changed, and it's called the resurrection of God's son. So it's different meanings, but it all actually means the same thing. So whenever you hear ram, lamb, shepherd, okay, because Jesus is the lamb of God, he's also known as the good shepherd, okay, ram, ram's horn, Jews, they're talking about Aries. Then Taurus is the bull. And when you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you know that you need to put the plow on the bull in order to uh, plant so that you can harvest them. <laughs> so whenever you hear bull, ox, calf, cow, because a cow is a female bull. They're talking about Taurus. Then Gemini is the twins. It's Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. Anytime you hear the words twins or brothers, they're talking about Gemini. Then Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways moving creature. What is that you got there, Mark? Oh, Mark's got the zodiac right there. Perfect. 
a okay, beautiful well, depiction of it. There you go. So the crab moves sideways, basically like this, okay? And people don't do that. People don't walk that way. They walk forward and back. They walk on an angle. They don't shuffle side to side unless it's like a sports drill or something. But the crab does. And the reason it shuffles side to side is because in camp, so the sun starts on December 25th, rising a degree on its axis. Then the next day it rises an additional degree, additional degree, additional degree, additional degree every day that passes. The days get longer, the nights get shorter. It passes over the spring equinox, over the equator. It continues on its way up until it hits June 21st, which is the summer solstice. Then for three days, it walks sideways like the crab. It stays at that height. Then on June 25th, it drops a degree and it continues to drop a degree every single day. So the days get shorter and the nights get longer. Okay. And on December 21st, that's when the sun dies. It doesn't rise above the uh, horizon. So the ancients used to say that God's sun was dead. And then it shuffles for three days on the side again. So they used to say God's sun was dead for three days. So basically, that's why it's the crab. So anytime you hear crab or beetle, and the reason beetle is because in the Egyptian zodiac, the crab used to be the beetle, the scarab. The scarab took place in the crab in the Egyptian zodiac. Then Leo is the king, he's the lion, he's the king of the jungle. And the ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So whenever you're talking about lion or lioness or cub, you're talking about Leo. Then Virgo is the lady holding the wheat stalk. So remember before we said that you plant in Taurus, well, the virgins would cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make the bread for the year. So whenever you hear virgin, wheat, grain, seed, barley, corn, grainy things, they're talking about Virgo because you harvest them all in Virgo. So whenever they're talking about beer, that's from barley, okay? That is uh, in Virgo, okay? Whenever you're talking about bread, that's Virgo, okay? Corn, you're talking about Virgo. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's sun as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. The Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. Now, Libra is also wine season, which is when you planted for the grapes in Taurus, you could press the wine here. So being as Libra is the justice, the judgment, anytime you hear law, judge, justice, the just one, divorce, marriage, court, things of that nature, lawly things, they're talking about Libra. Anytime they're talking about wine, vineyard, wine press, they're talking about Libra. It's also olive oil season, okay? You grab the olives in Libra and you press them to make the oil. So that's where you get the wine and the oil from. That's Libra. Then Scorpio is the betrayer. He's the betrayer because when a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. It's why the mafia has the kiss of death. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with the kiss. So the sun is judged in Libra and it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally, in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun killing it. This has December 21st in it. Sagittarius has December 21st. December 21st is the day of death. So anytime they're talking about in the Bible, for example, or in any extra, extra uh, biblical texts that are not part of the canon uh, or a Gnostic text like the Enuma Elish, anytime they're talking about a death, they're referring to December 21st because that's when it is. So that's horse, bow, arrow, spear, horseman. They're talking about Sagittarius. And then finally you have Capricorn, who's the goat. And that's because he likes to climb the mountain. So if you picture the Zodiac wheel, okay, Capricorn's at the bottom of the wheel you're starting the climb back up the mountain. Starting December 25th, the sun climbs back up the mountain on its way to its height in the summer solstice. Just like the goat 
climbs the mountain. If you've ever seen a mountain goat do that. So those are the 12 signs. Do you guys have any questions? No. I would like to point out, it's interesting, you know, I put that book up there. I don't know if anybody saw it because the screen is small, but, you know, we count our months in the opposite, uh, you know, pattern than this pattern that you're stating. I'm wondering, you know, why that inversion is there. Maybe that's a tangent that we can pick up on later in the conversation. Well, what do you mean but by I, that, Mark? What do you mean by that? Well, you, you started with Aquarius, uh, then Pisces, right? Right. That's January. Aquarius is January. Right. So it has uh, it has it here in this picture. Maybe I'll go back to it so I don't sound like a complete idiot. But uh, but yeah, it's it here. It, it has it in the opposite direction. So I'm the just reason wondering. it would have it in the opposite direction is because what you're looking at depicts what's called the great year. Mm. See, we're talking about uh, Aquarius, Pisces. You know, the order that I went in. Right. That's going through the year. However, when you're talking about what sign we're in, what age we're in, it's backwards, which is what your thing shows. So we were in Taurus during the Egyptian years. During the Jewish years, we were in Aries. We were in Pisces during Christianity, and now we're in Aquarius. It goes backwards. So we're so talking what, about the procession of the equinox. That's what you're looking at. That's what's being showed. It's different. Right. Cool. So what do you think, Miguel? Uh, so far, so good. Yeah, you and I, we've been through this. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I want this guy to read my eulogy, man, with that voice. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I appreciate you giving everybody a background. Any new, new listeners who haven't heard this stuff before, but we've done several shows with Micah, and he lays out the uh, Zodiac sign, and he's gotten very quick at it. That was very nice. So right. very quick. that foundation laid. Go on. Okay. All right, so with that laid, so this is tablet one of the Enuma Elish. Now remember, the Enuma Elish, okay, White Morgan Freeman, the, the Enuma Elish, okay, that is an, not a biblical text. It has nothing to do with it. It's the Babylonian creation story, okay? So would it surprise you to find astrotheology in it? Let's see. Yeah, and it should be mentioned to what? I think it's dated. The the written is uh, one thousand nine hundred BC, but the oral is probably twenty seven hundred BC. So yep. it's yeah, much older than the Hebrews and all that for sure. At a time when even the glories above had yet to be named. At a time when even the glories above had yet to be named. I mentioned twice. This was the time before the zodiac was in place. The zodiac and the constellations. And the progenitor, Tiamat, the mother who gave birth to all, intermingled their waters, producing neither field nor marsh. This is when the sign of Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher, and the water-based sign Pisces, the fish in the water, were created. Intermingled their waters. Those are two separate water signs, producing neither field nor marsh. No field, no marsh, because the land, as I've mentioned, begins in Aries with the ram. That's the first land creature. Okay, the other two were water-based. Within the unsullied waters of Apsu was Marduk born. He was suckled on the milk of the goddess's own breast. The unsullied water are the divisions between Aquarius and Pisces and the goddess's Virgo. So it's the Virgo Libra border. Those are opposing signs. The milk comes from the Milky Way galaxy. And I've explained this before too. When you're talking about the land of milk and honey in the sign of cancer, there's a group of stars called the beehive cluster. That's where the honey comes from. The Milky Way galaxy, where the milk comes from, is the center of Sagittarius. 
So from Cancer to Sagittarius is your land of milk and honey, but that's biblical, okay? That's just basically what it is. Raise the war cry, make them pay for what they have done. Now we're talking about Aries, whose ruling planet is Mars, the god of war. Whereas in Libra, the ruling planet is Venus, who's the goddess of love. Okay, they happen to be opposing signs and they're diametric in their uh, nature. She brought big snakes with piercing teeth and vicious fangs. Their bodies she had infused with poison rather than blood, and she caused these raging dragons to emit deadly beings. This is talking about Ophiuchus, the snake bearer, the 13th sign. Also, the raging dragons are Draco the dragon. They're both extraordinarily large constellations. However, they're basically opposing signs. The tale of Draco starts in Aries and Taurus, and Ophiuchus basically starts in Scorpio Libra. Those are opposing locations. Then Tiamat enlisted a horned snake, a Masushu dragon, a mad dog, a scorpion man, half man, half fish, and half man, half bull. The horned snake is Ophiuchus, a dragon, Draco. The mad dog is the dog star, Sirius. The scorpion man is Scorpio and Aquarius mix. The half man, half fish is Aquarius Pisces border, which blends the fish and the man sign. And the half man, half bull which is half Aquarius, half Taurus. Does this, does this make sense? Do you see how this is kind of in line and this is kind of the same thing as in the Gnostic text and in the biblical text and the way that this has been encoded? Yeah, it does. Uh, I'm curious, Miguel, where, where do you stand on this? Uh, not, I mean, I don't know how much your astro-theological background is, but does it, is this in line with how you think or how, how do, what's your response to this stuff? <laughs> Oh, I have no doubt. I think when the ancients would do stories, uh, it would be aligned with the stars for sure. And I don't, I mean, I take a, a little bit more uh, less secular stance than Micah. I think this was interactive, uh, correspondent. And uh, these stories were certainly in the stars, but they also could appear on Earth. So, uh, as above, so below. Yeah, yeah, as above, so below. There is a correspondence between the, the heavenly realms and the earthly realms. But yeah, there is no doubt that these things were uh, done under the stars at certain times. They were done as uh, performance art, probably. And it was uh, used as mnemonic devices. Obviously, they were oral traditions, and then later the, later it was written down. But yeah, I think even, even the, yeah, the Bible... Um, the Old Testament, I mean, it has been de, what they call it, decosmologized. They've tried very hard to take out the astro theology, but it, it is there in all these texts if you look for it. Would you be surprised to know that the ancient Babylonians, the ancient Jews, the Christians, the Old Testament, New Testament, the Enuma Elish, the Code of Hammurabi, um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I did today, um, would you be surprised to know they all use the same exact cipher? No, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was, they were looking at the same stars and the same, and they all come from the same sort of uh, source. Yeah. But it's sort of so, the way how you see the pine cone and everything. You see it in like Quetzalcoatl, you see it at the Vatican, you see it everywhere. Places that had no business communicating with each other too far, no planes, you know, overland. And yet everybody seems to know the same stuff, the pyramids everywhere. How do you mm -hmm. communicate that over distance? And yet everybody is using the same cipher for this too. Mm hmm yeah, that would have to be the stars. And of course, then you can just get Jungian and say, this, these, the stars also are within our souls, the collective unconscious, these symbols, 
these right. images and all that are within us too. Well, you got to understand is the iron that's in our blood could have only come from forging in a dying star. That's mm -hmm. the only place that iron could have come from. So uh, it's literally consciousness understanding itself. The universe is part of us. The star system, we're not separate from them. We're just understanding it. And we're giving it names. The interesting thing too is if there's another civilization in another part of the universe, they probably have their own zodiac and set of laws this way too. You'd have to imagine, right? This is just ours, is what you're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. All right. So this is tablet three. That we might have a discussion, gather them for a feast and give them plenty of bread to eat and the best of wine. The bread is Virgo, the virgin with the wheat stalk and the wine is Libra. Those are connecting signs. Tablet four. We must bestow upon you rule over the entire cosmic order. That's the mention of the zodiac. Amen. They mention amen in the biblical, in, in the Babylonian. Amen comes from Amun-Ra, the Egyptian times. It's not a Hebrew word that means let it be or so it is, which is what people take amen to be now in Hebrew. Amen comes from Amen-Ra. When you're giving uh. praise to amen, you're giving praise to Amen-Ra. Okay, so proclaim to it that the constellations may then disappear. Proclaim to it yet again that the constellations be seen again. They're talking about the creation of the sun. When the sun is out, the constellations disappear. And when they come back, the sun is gone. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Marduk created a bow, and this he fashioned to be his weapon. Then fletched the arrow with feathers and set it onto the string. Raising himself <laughs> a mace that held with his rigid right hand, slinging the bow over his arm, setting the quiver at his side. We know that Sagittarius is the man with the bow and the arrow. It's in his right hand or at the right side of the zodiac wheel. You know, these are just metaphors as everything. And as time goes on and people get better and better at metaphorizing this stuff, but this is all about the hero's journey. Um, that's basically what it is. It's the greatest story ever told in just in 500 different ways. The Lord took a moment to rest and looked over her corpse. He split the monster's cadaver and made marvelous things, serving up the middle, playing it in half like a drying fish, one of which he thrust up to make the vault of the heavens. He drew a gate in front of it, put into the care of a guardian. Her waters were bounded so they might not surge free. The fish became the zodiac sign, Pisces, the fish. He drew a gate in front of it and put it in the care of a guardian. Her waters were bounded so they might not surge free. This is talking about the sign being created, isolated from another sign. I make the point that uh, the dividing lines are they're called handover dates some of them are called cusps whatever you have them um they're basically that's what the firmament is the firmament is the line between the signs okay now the firmament set place on either side to protect them from surging free into another sign the guardian is the ruling planet of pisces which is jupiter in the bible simon peter is pisces why was his name changed from peter to simon because the ruling planet of jupiter is jew peter jupiter okay and the other thing too that you have to know is, is that the way that you know this is, is that peter was a fisherman and the sign of the fish is pisces that's just another way that you know this so we're at tablet five now and concerning the stars he placed constellations for each one then he established the year and set forth its subdivisions and as he formulated his intentions for every day of the year he set forth the station of Nebiru to delineate their movement, that not one of them would veer from its appointed course. 
This is talking about creating the rest of the constellations and the zodiac stars. He established their intention for every day of the year or what days go into which sign, delineated their movement, that not one of them would veer from its appointed course. So the zodiac is always going to be the same order. You're never going to Real quick to interject here, uh, is that Nibiru, like the the planet Nibiru, planet X, you know, destroyed? That I'm not sure. Miguel might know that. No, we'll, we'll have to let Google teach us this one. We'll have to look oh, into yes. that. Praise Google. Praise Google. We'll have to look into that. I, I don't think so. I think Nibiru was a god, to be honest with you. Um, it wouldn't make sense if you're talking about a planet delineating, uh, delineating their movement. If that makes sense, you know, a planet wouldn't keep the signs in order. It is weird that it's this basically the same word, though. Well, you know, you can also make that connection with Marduk. There's allegedly uh, a planet that predated the asteroid belt as we now know it, right? And it collided with. I think what we now call Mars and created what we now call our moon. I mean, that's a story that that's I've right. heard. And that's what created the asteroid belt, this planet right. shattering. So right. there are connections between gods and planets. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But, you know, um, Nibiru, I mean, that's one of those things that did come out of this time in the 20th century. I don't know how old the Nibiru myth is. I don't know if it connects. It goes back to, I think it goes back to the Anunnaki though. Isn't that where the Anunnaki comes from? Graham Hancock talks about it. I well, think. yeah. You, go, you have the sun and then all of the planets, they, they revolve around it in different ways. Pluto's I think like I think a lot of that though came from Zachariah Sitchin. Sitchin, so, not, not Graham Hancock, Sitchin, you're right. So, and I, you know, people have different opinions about him. Um, but again, I think this is something that's relatively the Nibiru stuff isn't like it doesn't go past the 19th century, to my knowledge. I could be wrong. Hmm. The idea is basically it's a planet that has a 3,600 year old, 3,600 year ecliptic around us, whereas all the planets kind of go around the sun this way. Pluto's kind of like this way. This one, Nibiru, goes this way. That's it's, that's and it just comes into our area every thirty six hundred years. Is that outside the realm of possibility, or I mean, I guess I don't know how the physics, physics works with is. that. Yeah. I think. Have you ever seen how planets work? Basically, you're looking at the space time fabric, right? Think about it this way: like, um, I I don't know how to. I saw this done with like a pool with like a table, like pool balls and everything, but basically. The, the planet dents the space-time fabric and then the things revolve around it. They kind of, it kind of like indents into the space-time fabric. Kind and of then what happens, it just puts a little pocket there so that things like kind of just roll around is like a marble would go around in circle. That's mm. basically how it goes. So for it to come this way, I don't know how that would work with physics. Well, we're really into speculation here. So anyway, continue. Sorry to interject with that. No, not at all. He brought into existence the crescent moon to rule the night, and he assigned this night gem to be an indicator of days. That's 100% true. The sun, we, th this, is, this is my proof of God. The sun tells the hour of the day. The moon, like it says here, tells the day of the month. The zodiac tells the month of the year. It's a perfect calendar. Okay, It had to have been created because it works 
so perfectly for us. That's the way that I see it. Or like Crow calls it the sky clock, which is, I think, a perfect yeah. representation of the sky. Right, right. And upon the seventh day, your crown is half in darkness. The 15th day will be halfway at every month's midpoint at a time where Shamash faces you from the opposite horizon. Make the day you are invisible near the track of Shamash. This is talking about the waxing and waning phases of the moon. It's important to note, too, that in Hebrew, the Shamash is the candle that lights all the other Hanukkah candles. You ever see a Hanukkah candle set up? They have eight in the back and they have one in the front. You light the one in the front and then that one lights all the other ones. The representation of the sun. The shamash is the sun. Okay, it's the bright one that brings light to all the other candles. So make the day you are invisible near the track of shamash. That's the moon disappearing when the sun is out. Make your choice, the scorpion, for the overthrow of the kingdoms. The constellation Scorpio. Scorpio is known as the betrayer, as we know it, and it overthrows Christ, for example, as uh, becoming Judas. Make your choice the goatfish for disease, plague, and famine. The goat is Capricorn and the fish is Pisces. This is winter, cold, destitute, disease, and plague, as this is when people would get sick more often. Famine, because nothing grows until Taurus. Make your choice the bull of heaven. The bull of heaven is Taurus. And the bull of heaven is also mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh. They're always mentioning the bull of heaven. Make your choice the true shepherd. This is the lamb of God, the good shepherd, which is Aries the ram. The star cluster will arise at the time of the New Year's festival. Year after year, it will be the most festive day among the people. So I wrote here Neil deGrasse Tyson's story about Sirius. So I've reached out to him a bunch of times on Twitter, and he's never answered. But basically, he went on and he said there's no reason why the New Year should take place on, on January 1st, December 31st. And that's bullshit. The reason we celebrate New Year's on that day, and not a solstice or an equinox like the ancients used to do. The reason it's January 1st is because if you go out at midnight on December 31st, wherever you are, and you look up in the sky, you look straight up, you'll see Sirius at its height. Sirius is at its height December 31st at midnight, January 1st. You follow it straight down, you have Earth. You follow it straight down, you have the sun. It's a perfect alignment. Okay, and Sirius that, is, like, is that some kind of perversion, though? No. What do you mean? No, I just mean because you said the ancients celebrated it on the equinox or the solstice, but we do it on. Well, the that's what they do. I mean, the Jews celebrate the new year around uh, September 21st. Um, it's different right. in the Jewish calendar every year. But yeah, the pagans would celebrate it for, on the uh, spring equinox, too. Right. Kind of makes more sense. Spring equinox and the solstices. Yeah, that's when they used to do it. Absolutely. So, Anu set up upon his lap the bow which had pierced Tiamat, and he placed a rod of peace at his side. The bow is Sagittarius. In Sagittarius, you have December 25th, which is when the sun dies. The rod of peace was at his side. That's December 25th in Capricorn, because after the sun is killed, the world is in turmoil, and then three days later, the sun rises again. And it's celebrated on December 25th. It's the offering of peace back to earth. Then a bull was led by Ea and slaughtered for the banquet. They're talking about Taurus Aries border. Why? And within his cellar were placed stocks of wine. Libra Scorpio border. Why? Because Libra is wine season. Those are opposing signs. 
Call him Anbilalu, the master and bringer of wealth. They have a potent God who rules the portals, the portents of sacrifice, who guards pastures, lakes, springs for the land's sake, who releases springs and gives out water and plentiful supply. They're talking about pastures, lake, and springs. Pastures are in Aries, okay? Because again, Aquarius and Pisces are the water signs. The pastures, the land sign starts in Aries. And the lakes and springs are water, hence the mention of lakes and springs. So you can look at uh, Pisces and Aquarius. Now Aries, Pisces, and Aquarius are all connecting signs, okay? So they, they mentioned the first three signs in this one passage. Second, they ought to know Enbalu, likewise as Ipadun, as the master of the land and farming, bringer of furs, who manages the canals, which are both in heaven and land and farming is talked about in Taurus, which is as above, so below. When you see the bull in the sky, you put the plow on the bull on earth and plow. He is called Sursur, who heaped the mountain atop Tiamat, who captured among the spoils of war, the cadaver of Tiamat. He is the ruler of the land and is likewise their good shepherd who is given freely agriculture, garden land, and plow land. This mention of war is Mars, the god of war in Aries. The shepherd mention is still Aries, as the sheep and the livestock need to be tend to, which is Aries, who is given freely agriculture, garden land, and plow land mentioned just as before, that's Taurus. Aries and Taurus are connecting signs. He is called Gil, who collects great piles and masses of grains, bringing both grains and herbs, suppliers of land, fertility. This is the mention of the grain of the wheat, a lady in the wheat stalk, Virgo. And that's what I have for the Enuma Elish. What do you guys think? Miguel, what is your rebuttal or and or adding to that? <laughs> no rebuttal. It's good. I mean, uh, <clears throat> as far as commentary, yeah, I wanted to mention uh, it talks there after Marduk. Uh, he's done and conquers the universe. He puts his bow there. And it is interesting because the bow is a symbol of the cosmos and you find it in a lot of myths and in fact in uh what genesis 9 scholars have said that when god shows the rainbow it's not really a rainbow it's a later edition it it, it should be a bow in other words right. Yahweh is putting the bow up there because he's saying all right this is the cosmos how it's going to be and what so. does he say what does god say he says never again shall flood the earth with death and mm -hmm. what is Sagittarius? The bow and the arrow. Exactly. That's December 21st. That's the death. Yeah, the beginning and the beginning of the new light. So that is an interesting point, too. And uh, on a kind of a side note, uh, obviously, the Enuma Elish starts. It's uh, I call it the fall of mankind because you have this creation myth where you know it's kind of funny where tiamat and her husband are trying to sleep and the gods are being noisy they're playing rap music or something parting it down there so that's how the war starts and then the younger gods uh they enlist marduk they say if you can beat your mom you will be um you will be the ruler of the universe obviously we have this vibes with again sophia and the demiurge but Tiamat really represents the serpentine powers, the lunar, watery, holistic, witchy aspect of the human mind and of history. 
And Marduk represents the new rise of the left brain, the logical, the reason, the science, because obviously Marduk would become the god of civilization. This is when suddenly let's build roads, let's build cities, let's do astronomy and brew beer, let's be more scientific. And that's who Marduk became. And unfortunately, we as gone throughout history, we've uh, gone so far on that side that we've become unbalanced in our psyches. And uh, I think it has been pointed out, Yahweh in the Old Testament might not be the original Yahweh. The original Yahweh might have been this sort of alien tribal God that wanted humans, but uh, uh, he, he was replaced by Marduk, the God of civilization. Well, they, say it. they say it in Genesis. Mm -hmm. They say, let us, let us yeah. make man in our image. Not, I will make man in my image. Let us make man. You know, there's, there's a saying. There's a well, also, don't forget, Micah, there's also uh, where Yahweh defeats Leviathan. It's just ripping off Marduk defeating Tiamat. Reason right. defeats the old... Again, I would think Leviathan, the fish god, can go back to uh, Daganism and uh, Mithraism as well, too, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Mithras is, a, especially as an Indian god, he's very old. So that's the interesting part, too, about uh, the whole Enuma Elish, and as I call it, it is the fall of man because we became really split. Uh, you were mentioned Shemesh, too, and uh, it should be noted, yeah, Shemesh, I think Hebrew for fire, but Samson was probably a solar god because his name could be shemesh the solar one samson? the fiery one so hmm? well in hebrew check this out in hebrew samson okay everybody knows the story of samson the strength and he gets his hair cut and he goes blind all right samson the root word of samson is shemash right, right. Fire. he was a sun god he's in a fact, son in fact samson literally means little son in hebrew now here's the interesting thing too. What who is Delilah? Okay, you know what the, the root of Delilah is? Yeah, the moon. The root of the, the root of Delilah is Lila. In Hebrew, Lila means night. When you say Lila Tov to someone in Hebrew, it means good night. It's the story of the night overtaking the day, which is another death of the sun. You know, it's just a different way of telling the hero's story. Now, I wonder. Uh, you know for better or worse was this stuff concealed you know we have obviously astrology at this point in history when christianity starts to come into the forefront where it's being practiced everywhere in culture people are going to oracles people are are very you know superstitious and worried about apocalypse and things like that and then uh you know over time astrology becomes pseudoscience it becomes laughed at and you see that it's always still remaining encoded in the word so i'm wondering you know was this for better or worse because i've you know picked this book out strangely enough and it points to uh saint paul when he says for we have to struggle not with blood and flesh, but with the angelic rulers, the angelic authorities, the potentates of the dark present, the spirit forces of evil in the heavenly sphere. Also how his triumphant, I am persuaded that neither the powers nor the ascension of the stars nor their 
declination shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they're kind of saying like, hey, we, we don't need the, uh, the lesser gods to connect with uh, the higher deity anymore. We can go straight to the source or maybe they were kind of creating a middleman. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, this moment in time? Real quick, sorry, Michael. I'll let you let you go in a second because this is kind of important. Uh, we have a in the chat limited hangout is saying that astrotheology is word concept fallacies and doesn't take into into account the historical evidence and uniqueness of the messages in the gospels. So I will let you rebut that because that is a valid point. What's unique in the gospel? What's that? What is unique in the gospel? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just reading. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. Any, I mean, there's, there's the Bible it? says there's nothing new under the sun itself. So yeah. Have you That's seen true. my, uh, my presentation on, on the book of revelation or the book of Matthew? Yeah. We've it's had all, you on for revelation. Yeah. It's all the same thing. It's literally all the same thing. It's the same story. These are just deeply encoded metaphors. The problem with reading the Bible literally is that it's it's kind of, it it keeps you at your base chakra. It does not raise your vibration. It does not raise your consciousness. There is clearly, clearly astrotheology in in within the Bible that within not only the Bible but these ancient texts. It's what unites them all. You know, it's what unites all of them. It's this it's this thing code this way of seeing. It. What and, if it was actually historically accurate, but also followed the stars? Because that would be some Joseph Campbell shit, which I bring up all the fucking time. The hero's journey, like it's a it's a pattern that just repeats itself over and over in the stars and down here, like you said, as above, so below. Well, then you're so talking like, that, then then you'd be talking about no. Uh, <laughs> you'd be talking about no free will then, if you're if if you're just gonna play out the same story over and over again. You're not talking about free will. Yeah, and I'm kind of stuck on that one actually. But yeah, I mean, I don't, know. I don't take the Bible literally. Any of it, any of it. I think they're all different ways of telling the same exact story. You know, um, I can show you guys the Secret Gospel of John at some point if you're interested. No, yeah, we can get into that. Mark, do you have or Miguel? Do you have anything to add to that? No, uh, um, I wanted to add uh, something that there's a scholar who's very uh, underrated, um, uh, John Lunwall, and he wrote a book called uh, Mythos and Cosmos. And uh, it's fascinating because the, he, he talks about, uh, Micah was talking about the, uh, the epic of Gilgamesh, when Gilgamesh goes down underground because he's upset about uh, his boyfriend being killed and he goes to the goddess of the underworld i forget it's a hard name to pronounce and he's like what's the secret to immortality and then the goddess suddenly starts talking about a flood story and people say well some old author just threw it in there uh you no, know what you I mean? literally gave the cheapest version of that book in one sentence you just explained the whole book Right, right. <laughs> yeah but uh, and i don't think it was his boyfriend either i think they just admired yeah, him. yeah i know i'm being facetious his buddy whatever it is but you know enkidu is uh but um when you 
then John was like, okay, he, th he thinks that the ancients are a lot smarter than we give them credit. So he started looking around and he realized in chapter 175 of the Book of the Dead, there's a hero called Anid, and he descends into the underworld and he asks Ra, what's the secret of immortality? And Ra suddenly goes into a, uh, guess what, a flood story. And he realized this pattern appears across worlds and what they're talking about is that they're, they're not talking about a flood on earth, but there's a flood in the sky. I think it's uh, in the southern hemisphere, I think Cancer, where all the milk, you can see the Milky Way flowing down. And to them, they thought that if you could focus on this uh, flood in the sky, you would find the secrets of immortality, because obviously to the ancients, eternal life is always found in the underworld and that's where death hides in mortal life so I mean, uh, no, the, the story of aquarius is literally yeah, exactly it's, it's a greek story that's a story that's where the greeks get their flood story mm -hmm. so the guy with the water pitcher in aquarius the quick version of the story is basically this there's a 14 year old boy on earth that Zeus wants to bring up to heaven because he finds him attractive this that and the other thing the guy's father doesn't want to give him so what Zeus does is he gives him a bunch of animals, he gives him a bunch of money, this, that, and the other thing. He allows the boy to go up to heaven. The boy starts feeding people with the jar, uh, with something called ambrosia, which is the nectar of the gods. He starts feeding the gods this. What happens then is he gets sick of doing it after a while. And what he does is he takes the pitcher with, with ambrosia and he pours it over the side of heaven, which floods the earth. That's the Greek's flood story. Then what Zeus does is he looks at him and he's furious with him for doing that and he's going to punish him but in a moment of self-reflection he realizes that he kind of tricked him into coming up this that and the other thing so he just emphasizes <clears throat> him as the as a sign of aquarius so I'm, I'm thinking the flood on earth or at least you know i mean the flood in the heavens to me that's aquarius that's what that story is that, yeah doesn't that seem a little story bit with philemon where he doesn't and seem... go down oh, to sorry. earth and uh they they decide they're going to destroy humanity they're looking for some noble people and they only meet philemon and his wife and but that's another flood story i, I was just going to say doesn't it seem i mean not to denigrate any of the work you've done but isn't is it a little bit reductive to to bring everything down to the stars i mean i get that the ancient people would only be focused on that because they don't have tvs and that was their netflix and we've talked about that before but do you think they were that i don't want to call it shallow but that shallow of uh like that's all their life was was watching the stars no, and every no, story no, no, they've no. ever wrote i've talked i don't think people. it was the lack of tvs joe <laughs> no, I will, Joe, I will say this. I've always said the Bible is three things. All right. One is astrotheology, which I really go into. The other two, I don't. The other two is alchemy. And the last one is tarot, the tarot cards. Okay. Those are the three things that make up the Bible. Okay. You get the word Torah from tarot. Okay. That's where that comes from. And those three things combined make the Bible. I can go into depth for the other ones, but I just focus on astrotheology because baby steps you know you can't overflow things the reason this is so important that you have to know that taurus is the bull you have to plow when winter is coming when to harvest when to reap is because it was your life you weren't in the food you were barely out of the food chain so you had to know when winter was coming okay and you had to know when to plant if you didn't plant on time then you were not going to reap and if you didn't reap you were going to starve in the winter you were going to die and the animals used to come out in the winter and they would be vicious and we were barely out of the food chain 
and you had to basically know um, how to stay warm. You had to basically, it was a farmer's almanac. You had to know what to do. And that's just the most important thing. I go into better description uh, in some of my other work, but basically this is, this was life. You had to understand this stuff. So, so do you think there's zero uh, spiritual or other dimensional implications to this, or is it just the stars? Is there like, I, I know you said at the beginning, the, the planets definitely have a like correlation to gods and deities and all that, but is, is it just that? Is it that material well, take, just based the, on human existence? Okay. So I just, I, what it, we just did the, um, the I have an answer to that. If you want to let me answer after Micah goes, yeah, go, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, we have the Enuma Elish, right? Would you read that as a spiritual book? Would you take your spiritual lessons from that? Then why do you take it from the Bible? It's no different. This, it's not, it's not God mandated the Bible. You know, it's not, it's just an encoded book, just like they all are. So I'm going to let Mark go though. Well, I would say that it's, you know, more than just an almanac. It's more than just a time keeping. It's, you know, when you made the comment about uh, the television is it's poignant because they use the stars as a script for their stories, you know, in the days when oral tradition was all they had, it was important to be succinct and relay information in layers. And I think also, you know, Miguel brought up this a little bit before the left brain, right brain, you know, people didn't have the same consciousness that we have now, you know, there's science that maybe points to mushrooms being the cause of that. Some people say agriculture is the cause of that. You know, there's a lot of explanations, but, you know, it seems to be that there was a different form of consciousness in those times. And what I've come to know from the, the research I've done is that it was a sort of dreamlike consciousness where you know, your id, as we sort of know it now, the, the voice in your head, so to speak, came to them as a maybe a, a presence that's felt out of nowhere, you know, because most of their mind was instinctual. And every now and then they would have this voice appear during key moments. I don't know how true that is. You know, I haven't been in the mind of uh, an ancient man in this lifetime. But it feels like that that could be a, a very strong explanation for why it seems that there's a different. Uh, but either way, you know, I'm getting a little off course here. I think the, the point I'm trying to make is it's a process of ascension. You know, you, they're encoding uh, a rite of passage, so to speak, that maybe only in those days, people who were able to take up that position to have the responsibility to know and to act and be a, a role in their community, you know, they would, there's a learning process that had to be undergone and it, it encompassed everything, you know, every aspect of their lives were connected in that microcosm, macrocosm way. So, so, you know, you can look at indigenous cultures and see, you know, not everybody becomes a shaman. There's a selected group of people who who take on that rite of passage and and your purpose sort of comes to you so i think in many ways that's what these stories serve to do is to really kind of uh serve as the infrastructure for those communities in a conscious sort of way that makes sense but i would i would i would take it one step further i don't 
it's a little bit of chronological ethnocentrism to think that the ancients didn't have consciousness the way we do right now. I mean, you're looking at the Egyptians, the eye of Horus looks exactly like the pineal gland and the corpus callosum when you cut it open and do a sagittal cut of the brain. <laughs> the ancient Buddhists used to mourn death for 49 days. Okay, they would say also it took 49 days for the soul to enter the human body. And now they're finding out that on the 49th day of gestation is when the pineal gland becomes visible on a scan. So the ancients knew this stuff. You know, they had this kind of information. It goes way deeper. You're not giving the ancients credit. Yes, maybe they didn't have modern medicine like we have right now, but they had other things back in the day, things that we don't have now. We don't have Greek fire right now. We can't build the pyramids right now. It was tried. We can't do any of that stuff. So they had other things. I think the consciousness has always been there. It's just a product of their times. That, that's kind think. of what I was getting at, though. Like, they had other things they could do, like build the pyramids and do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But instead, they chose to write encoded messages about the stars when so, that, was, that was necessary to survive. Why it, would they encode it? Could it be possible? Survive, but to be human. What's the, what's the saying? Humans don't need fantasies to deal with reality. We need fantasies to be human. Mm -hmm. Our minds are made of, I mean, despite language being created, again, Mardu creating linear, linear time, as a philosopher Owen Barfield said, our reality was created with language because we started seeing linear time. But before that, and our brain hasn't changed, the truth is our mind is made of images and symbols. So these myths are, you might say, the secret language of the soul, or as Joseph Campbell said, myth is religion, myth misunderstood. These myths really point to the transcendent, to what makes us divine, or to the divine, or to what makes us truly inspired and give us meaning to be in this planet. As I was talking to uh, another podcaster last night, uh, when you look at Gobleki Tepe, uh, which is 13,000 years ago when they when they brought it up, you assume this oldest civilization in a chronological order, you think they would build, you know, first shelter, then we're going to build a farm, then we're going to build a school, then a government. Finally, when we have time, we're going to build this tower to the gods. And they found out it's the opposite. It started with the tower to the gods. It's almost like we humans need to look at the stars and be inspired or transformed by alien powers for us to be able to hold, to to be able to create a civilization and to create things that are better than just being monkeys. So I think that's uh, a lot. That's why these myths are important. Just like Star Wars or The Matrix or Harry Potter, these things really hold our society together, even if they are rehashes of ancient myths. Well, that's what Luke Skywalker is. Skywalker, yeah. the sun, it walks a chorus, crosses the sky in 12 steps. Luke, Lucius, the mm -hmm. sun, Lucifer, the sun, in yeah. 12 and steps. And the sun and simply symbolizes life, uh, growth, heat, you know, as above, so below. Yep. All right, guys, so you want me to do this one too? Yeah, go into it. So this is the origins of reality. The father is surrounded by light. He apprehends himself in that light, which is the pure spring of the water of life that sustains all realms. He is conscious of his image everywhere around him, perceiving his image in the spring of spirit pouring forth from himself. 
He is enamored of the image he sees in the light water, the spring of pure light water enveloping him. The father is surrounded by light is the sun, which is the pure spring of water of the life that sustains all the realms. That's the sign of Aquarius and Pisces. The water, perceiving his image in the spring of spirit and pouring forth from himself. That's Aquarius, the water bearer. The spring of pure light water enveloping him, metaphor for Aquarius, representing, referencing water being pure light as well. His self-aware thought, Inoa, came into being, appearing to him in this effulgence of his light. She stood before him. This, then, is the first of the powers prior to everything. She is from his image in his light, perfect in power, image of the invisible, perfect virgin spirit. She stood before him. He is Aquarius in the Pisces border as he is the sign of the man. She stood before him as the opposing sign of Virgo, the perfect virgin spirit. And the tertiary structure of the divine mind. This is the gospel of John, by the way. Okay. Twelve realms stand before the son of the powerful. Twelve realms belong to the son of the autogenes. Twelve realms are the twelve zodiac signs. The son of the autogenes or the sun. The sun in the twelve zodiac signs. A crisis that became the world. Sophia saw what her desire produced. It changed into the form of a dragon with a lion's head. Dragon is a sign of Draco. The lion's head is Leo the lion. Incidentally, the dragon cuts through Aquarius. Draco cuts through Aquarius. The lion is Leo. Those are opposing signs. The fashioning of this world. He made the first seven rulers to reign in the seven spheres of heaven. The seven spheres of heaven are known as the seven planets at the time, also known as the Elohim. El is God. Ohim means plural. So Elohim, okay, El means God. And Ohim is basically like putting an apostrophe S on it. It's just multiple. His rulers created seven authorities for themselves. Each of the authorities created six demons apiece. There came to be 365 demons altogether. Here are the seven authorities, names, and physical forms. The metaphor for the days of the year. First, Athoth with a sheep's face. Aries. This comes first because Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. When you're talking about the zodiac, the year begins in Aries. That's why it's celebrated. It's spring. It's the new year. Um, that's what it basically is. Second, Eleos with a donkey's face. A Salus Borealis meaning donkey and is located in the sign of cancer. Third, Astaphios with a hyena's face. Draco is also known as two hyenas, Eta Draconis and Zeta Draconis. Fourth, Yao with the face of a seven-headed snake. This is the sign of Ophiuchus, the snake bearer. Fifth, Sabaoth, who had the face of a dragon. This is known as the constellation Draco the dragon. Two mentions of it within the seven. Sixth, Adonis, whose face was that of a monkey. The monkey head nebula, which is in Orion. Seventh, Sabatios, with the face of a flame and fire. Okay, Sabatios, or the Sabbath, the new Sabbath is the sun day. It's talking about the sun with the face of a flame and fire. The Jewish people worshipped on the Saturn day, but the new religion will worship on the sun day. Humanity begins. Then came a voice from the highest realm saying, the man exists and the son of man. Man exists and he is based on Aquarius, the sign of the man with the water pitcher or the son of man. He, illuminates the, he illuminated the waters above the world of matter. His image shone in those waters. 
All the demons and the first ruler together gazed up toward the underside of the newly shining waters. Through that light, they saw the image of the waters. The waters above the world of matter is Aquarius and Pisces. They gazed up towards the underside of the newly shining waters. So this is the beginning of the creation of Aquarius and Pisces. Through the light, they saw the image in the waters, the two fish. The children of Seth populate the world. He begot a son like the son of man, modeling him on the heavenly race in the higher realms. Well, the son of man is the sign Aquarius. So you see how it doesn't really matter what text I take. It, it'll talk about, and it's not like it's just mentioning a lion and that's it. It's mentioning anywhere from eight to 12 signs. Every time in every book that I decode. You know, it has to be that. That's the way I see it. You know, if it was just one sign or two signs, I could be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, why not talk about lines? But when they talk about four or five signs in one passage, it, it has to be that. So that's just the way I see it, though. No, we appreciate your perspective. This is why we have you on is because it's so new. I mean, it's not new now because we've had you on several times, but it's new because I've never thought of the world that way. And that's why I think it's fun to have Miguel on with you too, is because he's got a different way than I've ever listened to, except for a year or two ago when I first started listening to him. But I don't know. I just, there's so many questions and not enough answers like usual. There's way more questions and everybody has their own unique questions. That's why I was kind of pulling from the chat to get their perspective on it too. And it just seems like it's one, it's something that you can't just narrow down to one thing. Like the, the whole thing isn't, you can't just like reduce it down to one thing, but I think you did a great job reducing it down to one thing. Like it does seem like that, but I want to go into Miguel, do you have anything on this or do you want, like, I know, I know your perspective is different too with your, well, kind of different, but. Hold on. Can I, can I say something really quick to, to, in, to that regard before we move on? Uh, the first time that we had Micah on, my mind was absolutely blown because, and part of it was his story as well. Uh, you know, all of these questions that get brought up as you're raised in a church and you have questions as you see contradictions and things of that nature and things that you can't explain. And then he follows the path that he's been following and it starts to answer all of those questions. Everything is a metaphor. And uh, depending on how much of that is concrete and how much of it is just all metaphor, obviously we weren't there when it was written. So, I mean, his perspective on it, it, it exactly what you said, it completely changes your entire view of those books and how you read them. And then it changes a lot of the doctrines, you know, that millions of people live their lives by. And I, I it's still mind blowing to me to, when I, cause I have to like, I have to consciously step into those shoes to look at it through that light because I'm so trained whenever I think about the Bible or passages or any of that stuff to think about it in the way that we were taught, which is the traditional way that most people are taught from the Bible and the other, you know, old sacred texts. Right. Um, I think where I'm trying to go with it is 
I, I'm not discounting any of this. Like it makes perfect right. sense. But what I'm trying to figure out is where the metaphysical or spiritual aspect comes into this because right. I think the ancients had a lot of that too. It wasn't just the stars. They knew there was something, there was something outside this realm or dimension or whatever. They knew something about when you died and what happened when you died. And it didn't have to do with the stars when you died. Like there's something else. Uh, anybody got anything on that? Like, how does this wrap around with spiritual? Well, I, I would say because they, like many humans have been having mystical experiences. It's just when they recorded them in those times, you know, they stated it with different terms than we would use today. And maybe they were met with less criticism uh, at certain points in history. And I think, you know, something I was bringing up earlier is this transition from uh, mystery schools to Christianity there were still many proponents of the mystery schools who saw the propagandizing of Christianity and what was happening to the Druids and all these different groups. You know, you had the uh, all the different Norse peoples and people in Germany who were practicing different pagan arts and, and spiritual practices. So I think people just like today experience spiritual things. And, and when Christianity came and, and sort of rewrote history in that way there were still people who felt like preserving that information maybe encoding it i don't know if it was for worse or for better but you know that's that's at least my take on it you gotta realize too, that, sorry oh, go ahead. yeah i don't i don't think it denies anything metaphysical again they saw these uh these planets and stars were all conscious that were all divine and they had uh multiple uh multiple services or multiple uh functions and even then uh this is yeah you had the grand stars the drama but then you had of course the mystery religions you had the shamans you had those who would practice underground or in caves to really go into the the spirit world and the voyages there's a when, when Micah is doing the secret book of John, there's talking about those arc. I think once you get to the to the how the planets are, yeah, the Gnostics were constructing how our prison is. That's what I'm saying. And then the upper world, the aeons, of course, that is more uh, a platonic or uh, ancient mystical Egyptian uh, structure. I think it's beyond um, the stars. But it's interesting because he's talking about the the donkey faced. Uh, um archon and then the archon with the monkey when you when you re read the ancient uh, egyptian mysteries the pyramid text and all that it's the same once you die you get on the boat with ra and you go around the world you go through the zodiac but you also encounter these beings like one with a donkey face these guys who control the universe and you have to get passed through them and of course, you always have to avoid the great uh, snake that Ra is supposed to be journeying. So it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, I would say, metaphor on the journey that our soul takes, uh, not just after we die, but when we have an out-of-body experience and maybe when we dream, maybe every night we go right into the star portals, the great flood of the sky, the, beyond the stars with Ra, who knows? Hmm. So it's it's more of a metaphor for, like we said earlier, as above, so below, but it's uh, as here and so also after you die. Like you're going to be doing the same cycle even when you die. 
to the Egyptians and the Gnostics, yeah. That's basically you can you can take this flight to the stars on this life or you're gonna take it when you die. Your pick. So either way you have to be armed with the the knowledge and the magic and the gnosis. Well that's what religion, that's the problem with religion, because religion tells you that, that no matter how much you learn, how much you gain in wisdom, um, that won't save you. The only way to save you is to believe in Jesus, to believe in the Son of God. That is the only way to be saved. You know, there's a, there's a saying that says, um, uh, faith over facts, you know. Oh, that's and, orthodox Christianity, yeah. Which is, which is wild, you know. It's nuts. They want to keep you at the lower level chakras. They don't want you to attain wisdom and knowledge. So how do the how do the other aspects of all the weird shit we talk about come in here with like reptilians and you know the evil overlords and you know the general conspiracy theories and stupid shit we talk about how how do how do those intersect with gnosticism or the astrotheology? Well, gnosticism obviously jives perfectly. I mean, if we are trapped in a prison planet, then these star lords are the ones who are keeping us in a simulation that we can't see. Only a few people can see it or can understand. And even then you have to find the knowledge to be able to break through the simulation and encounter and defeat these beings that are controlling the galaxy. So it jives perfectly well because to me, uh, the rep, to again, me, the there, are, there are these grand dramas in the stars and they're very, you know, against Marduk and the serpent. It's a grand drama of order versus freedom. I mean, to me, the reptilian idea is silly. I don't believe that there's reptiles that are running the thing. I think it's a combination with our obsessive reptiles from the dinosaur age mixed with what we have is the reptilian brain, which you access when you drink and lower your vibration. I, I, I agree, Micah, mixed with aliens. Yeah. I have, uh, I don't know, I, I have something different to say. I you know, started this journey 10 or so years ago. Uh, I probably told this story a bunch on my podcast, but I met someone who became sort of a mentor to me. And he told me explicitly, and I trust him that, you know, when he had a peyote ceremony uh, in the, you know, through the, the traditional means with his tribe, he's a Pueblo, Native American from Arizona. He said that in this, and, you know, take it for what you will, it's peyote. But in this peyote, you know, hallucination, he met with a reptilian lizard goddess. And he told me that his father, his grandfather, and everyone in his family, in his bloodline, so to speak, who has this peyote experience meets with this same deity. So I don't think it's completely out of the ordinary to claim that reptilians could be on this planet in some shape or fashion because there's you know indigenous tribes that are talking about it there's people all over the world who you know don't necessarily have communications with each other we have stories of uh this sort of thing in you know separate places in the world take that for what you will but yeah this is this is just secondhand information and when i learned it i was like oh okay you know, I'm going to take that with a, a, a little less of a grain of salt when I hear it. Because, it, yeah. Mark, would you, Mark, would you at least agree not in our dimension, maybe in another dimension? Well, yeah. And, and that's, you know, what's to say that, you know, we're stuck in this dimension? I mean, I, 
I think, you know, if you experience it with your conscious mind in some way, it's real, you know, so, and I don't necessarily think that it's a hallucination if multiple people are seeing and communicating with the same thing. I mean, that to me sounds like it's a uh, ancestral spirit of some form or, or a deity that they're connected to for, for through some ritual. I mean, if you go to the bottom of most secret societies, they're communicating with some sort of entity, at least that's what they say they're doing, you know, whether it's through Oracle or through divination ritual, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of evidence for this sort of practice. So if we're going to categorize, uh, you know, those beings as not of this earth, well, I don't know he said this was under underground, the underworld, you know, to bring that concept up again. And, you know, indigenous cultures, at least in North America, have a lot of similarities with uh, with Gnosticism, at least in some of their uh, myths. You can't say that for all the tribes. There's variety of, of myths uh, associated with different cultures. But for for the underworld, it's pretty universal that humans interact with the underworld, whether under sober conditions, ritualized conditions, or plant medicine-induced conditions, and interact with, for better or worse, some sort of entity. So I, to me, that means it's real, and therefore I say lizard people, totally real. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's to say those drugs, um, like peyote or LSD or whatever, who's to say that's not a way to communicate with alien life or with beings in other dimensions? You know, you can build a radio or a telephone, and that's how we talk to each other in this realm. But what if, you know, like ayahuasca or peyote, that's just the form of communication that those beings use? That's the radio that's, to the well, other. Jen, Jen, there's a reason why they're all illegal, <laughs> highly illegal, and things like alcohol. Yeah, that's what I mean. And- Things like not, not in Oregon. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like alcohol is not illegal. Um, like oxycontin, fentanyl, things that lower your vibration. Yeah, not things exactly. That raise your That's vibration. what I mean. It's just stuff that raises your vibration. And back to Mark's point too. There's plenty of talk about people who who take DMT, who see the who see the gnomes. You know, they go to a different dimension and they see the same exact thing. Absolutely, I agree. That's a possibility. I do. And if it's in a different dimension, too, I guess I meant our physical plane here. I, I personally don't believe there are reptilians walking in our plane here. When I used the word dimension, I was a little loose with it. I just meant our waking selves, I guess. I suppose. So you're talking more about like astral reptilians or something like that? Yeah, things of that nature. Or maybe maybe while you sleep or when you do drugs, you go to a higher dimension because you remember quantum theory, quantum physics talks about 11 dimensions right now. That's where they're at. Yeah. You know, that's where Miguel, they're at. How, do, how does that jive with uh, Gnosticism? Speak to us with your sweet Gnostic voice. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if only my family thought my voice. You, you're right up there with Sam L. Jackson reading one of those go the fuck to sleep books. No, there's a reason no, he Morgan does Freeman. I think you're talking about Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson, I'd be up. Motherfucker, wake up. <laughs> Go the fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan Freeman <laughs> would be better. Uh, no, it jives perfectly well. Again, I don't see um, if we are trapped, which I think uh, there is something suppressing. If we are in a simulation, then there are ent- entities who are in a different plane just like they are benevolent ones who are in a different plane and again this goes right back to the 
to the shamans and their their journeys to the spirit world and the Egyptians and their flights to uh, across beyond uh, beyond the heavens. So this is something Neoplatonists, even Tibetan Buddhists. I mean, this is a uh, this has been around the world and it's an ancient tradition, uh, just as astrotheology is. So it, it all jives well, pretty, it all jives pretty well. So again, uh, I think um, we see things in a linear way and want things organized. But uh, as I see it, the ancients probably saw everything in a different level, more in a more holistic, symbolical embedded level as uh anthropologist said uh ancient man if he suddenly turned around and he saw like my dog i say dog but he would see uh animal god spirit food companion for all at once and yeah. it wouldn't be no problem his brain could handle because his brain was composed of images and myths and all that instead of just sort of that linear logical one step at a time thinking that all of us now have adopted i think that's why I, i've said it before and it's it is that's why it's so complicated i not to talk shit on anybody who's a christian or who believes any of these religions i i get it but it just seems so it's so narrowed down and it's so in a box it's a nice little packaged box of beliefs where it's like, no, this is what happened. And it actually makes sense. A lot of it makes sense, but it's so packaged down. And it's like, no, this is it. This is all that happened. But all the religions have that same thing where they're, it's all packaged into this nice box and they all kind of jive with each other. But I think it's a lot more than that. And I think that's kind of what well, you're getting out there. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's been, that's been the argument for us since teenagers uh, that we finally were able to verbalize was the idea that if Christianity and a lot of these and Christianity as, as a whole, you can go off into denominations and, and the different sects that believe different things. But as a, as a whole, Christianity and a, a lot of these other religions that have a soul deity, um, they preach relationship, but they live religion. And religion is nothing more than exactly what you said. It's the box. It's, it's, a, it's a handbook of moral codes and ethics that then they place up to a deified level. And the idea that if you took away the titles and you took away all of this stuff, I mean, the Native Americans, uh, they called it uh, spirit, I uh, forget what they called it, uh, the great spirit. Um, every, if you really lived it the way that they teach it, it would be a relationship and every single one of us would have a different relationship with said deity, just like no relationship no, I think it should be. It, that's exactly how it should be. And there should be no titles for the longest time. I mean, literally up until this last year, when I feel like everything that I believed in Christian wise was kind of rocked, if not shattered. I used to say that all the time was like, I don't claim to be a Christian. I just have a relationship with the person that I believe is God. <clears throat> and that that takes away a lot of that box that people shove you in when you say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, what denomination are you? I'm Baptist. Boom, you're in a box. They think exactly what you believe, and that's what they put you in. Well, the thing about religions, the, the thing about religions, why they all work right. so good, why they have so many people in each denomination, is because they answer the one question that pegs all of us since the moment we're conscious of our own selves, when we're like five, six years old. It's that I exist. I'm scared of what's going to happen when I die. I don't want to not exist. And every religion has a fun way of answering for you. 
how you're going to live forever or how you're going to continue to live in the afterlife. Okay. Yeah. That's why they do that because they all tell you, follow me, listen to me. That's right. fine. You know, and as far as the religious texts go, if the Bible was just filled with positivity and ways to <laughs> be good people, that would be one thing, but it's not right. it's a product of its time. There's rape, incest, talking donkeys, talking snakes, shit that doesn't make sense, you know? And, and to me, astrotheology answers a lot of it, but that's why religion works so well is because they answer the question, what happens when I die? They tell you, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. That's exactly what I was getting at is I don't want to call it lazy. I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of Christians that listen to our show and I'm not right. fucking, I have no problem with that. We were raised super fucking Christian to, to put the F word in there, but it's not, it's not anything <laughs> against fine. you. Like I get it. We, we were raised the same way. We were like, yes, we have to do this or we will go to a flaming lake of fire and I don't want that. And I have a problem with that in itself that it's an ultimatum. It's not like a, your God loves you so much that he wants you to come live with him forever and on streets of gold. And we just talked about this the other day, but I'm like, no, it's not that it's an ultimatum. It's uh, do it, do what I, I mean, you have free choice, but do what I say, or you're going to burn forever. That's not love. I'm sorry. That's no, but even the love, even the love aspect of it isn't love because the idea that it's one or the other, you get extremely rewarded for doing the one or you get damned for doing the other it's like that's not free choice you're either giving an incentive to do one or the other or a, a, an incentive and then also distance yourself from the other side of it there is no like middle ground like yeah well or you could just die and go in the dirt and not choose either way but it doesn't give you that option <laughs> it doesn't give you the option to stay in the middle and go you know what i don't want to go to heaven or hell i figure i just live this life and wrap this shit up and call it a day yeah, I, I think a lot of people want to do that, and it's called suicide. But uh, <laughs> Preston, Preston, who I called out in the intro, actually just tipped again. Dude, you're on a roll. Like, stop it. We don't – I mean, thank you. But he has a question. He said, ask Mark, could it be possible if God created our dimension, could Sam Tripoli be my son who I shot load on a towel? Am I? <laughs> he said, I'm a Christian but don't adhere to the 501c3 church coming from a former Mormon. So, good question. What you will, Mark? Yeah, well, I can't speak for Tripoli, even though I do work for him. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, you know, uh, Sam talks about this a lot, the whole Tibetan Book of the Dead and how you're, uh, you know, you, you choose your life based on your parents' uh, fuck position and how they have sex to uh, basically <laughs> conceive you. You're kind of like hanging out looking uh, above so if, if sam tripoli's logic is correct then no i don't think sam tripoli could have been born uh again if he's still alive uh right now so no to your question bud so uh, <laughs> joe to answer your question before i was gonna i was gonna say real quick because i was right. raised catholic you know i uh i kind of had this similar thing going on uh, and still to this day, I mean, the name of the show, my family thinks I'm crazy is, is what it is because, uh, a lot of my, my family does kind of fall back on some things that they've, I think been indoctrinated into. And my point being is like the Christianity mindset, we'll call it for this conversation 
it bleeds into other things is you're seeing it today in the mainstream you know this uh submission to authority is very uh psychologically prevalent throughout this sort of religion it's they're reinforcing a certain mindset and i think if you look at history and stages it seems like there's a group of people that are sort of using religion to prepare people to be in a certain mindset which will facilitate a certain sort of reality that this small group of people want paranoid thoughts but go ahead micah sorry so joe to answer your question before as far as have as far as hell goes so hell's supposed to be a flaming inferno right that's the word they use inferno that's what they say right let me ask you a question how do human beings sense pain nerves nerve endings and their skin and their nerve endings go to the central nervous system which travels up into the base of the brain right i know what you're getting at here hell is frozen over right you heard that right no I, i've heard that before and it makes a lot of sense but why did that why does the bible refer to it as a lake of fire is what i because guess what, what I they do is of. because what you what they always do okay is they invert the meeting and you pervert it they did it to the swastika they did it to yep. this they did it to that they always invert the meaning and pervert it that's the name of the game you take the symbol away from people okay so when you die and you have no nerve endings and you have no brain if you're a soul if you believe in a soul how are you going to burn <laughs> just doesn't make sense it's metaphysical man well it's spiritual you know? dude micah to your credit this this is how well these things these kind of ideas stick with me especially when it's something that i've grown up already thinking about and kind of do it subconsciously mm -hmm. i was at work the other day <laughs> and i was being a dick to a coworker on purpose mm -hmm. like i do um and he said you're going to hell and the first thing out of my mouth was I said, that's fine. I like cold weather anyway. And it was all because of one of the episodes that you did where you were talking about it's actually a, a, a winter. And uh, and I was, I was like, yeah. And I was like, the first thing I thought of was I was like, isn't it funny, though, that we have a phrase called I'll do that when hell freezes over. Think about yeah. it. Dante Alighieri. OK. In the Divine Comedy. In Dante's Divine Comedy, Inferno. OK. Satan is at the bottom level of hell. And hold on a sec. Let me see. Let me see if I can find frozen lake. It. I'm frozen. Yeah, it's a frozen lake, isn't it? Yeah. He's got on. three faces and he's frozen to his head. Yep. But that's the funny thing is uh, most people don't know. But one thing in the Bible you're not going to find is Satan being in hell. He's, uh, it's always the worm or Abador or somebody, even Paul says he's the uh, principality of the air. And he is, you know, in the book of uh, Job, he's flying through the air. Satan was originally probably uh, some sort of sky angel. Right. And later so let me share this with you guys real quick. I guess in Revelation, he does get thrown in the lake of fire, but he's not there, you know, running the show. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at this picture, if it'll F and Are you load. Sharing? What's going on? What's going on? Oh, dude. Surprise. Okay, here we go. I got it. If 
final. I enjoyed so, that. So check this out, guys. You see that? That's no. Satan in a leak. This this is Dante. Oh, okay. okay this is Inferno. Satan is in a frozen lake. Snow is everywhere. Hold on. Is play that. Lake? Play that clip. Uh, sound clip again, because that's. It kind of looks like what his expression is right now. Wait. Just kind of chilling with Please his hold. hands under his chin. Right. That one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Caption that. Yeah. So that's what it basically is. And then the reason it's this way is because he's frozen up to here. Okay. His wings flap so hard. Okay. That it's freezing over new layers of melted ice. So hell is actually frozen. Hell is on earth and it's frozen. Okay. You cannot have a hell which is a flaming inferno where you're Ben, stop it. You're distracting me. I mean, uh, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Does, um, does this possibly come from, uh, the Helsinki connection? Have you guys heard anything, uh, about that and how like the, the name hell, uh, comes from Helsinki, Finland and, and the sort of, uh, more. I just heard that the other day. Yeah. It's crazy. The, it was uh, HEL or something. The, the Norse saga of, uh, the creation story, they call Helsinki, the center of the earth. And, you know, as things happen with inversion, like you're saying, you know, maybe this, uh, pagan enemy, much like people speak about the Tartars, this pagan enemy gets demonized and the word for their capital city becomes this synonymous with the concept of hell. I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, uh, names give hints to that sort of thing. If we're going to follow that logic, then Helsinki and hell are pretty damn spot on. And it's very cold there. For those who've never been to Finland, it's very cold. <laughs> Micah, continue. No, I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, what do you think about that? What do you think about what Mark just said? I've never heard of that before, honestly. I'm I'm I'm, I'm like rushing to look things up right now, but I gotta I gotta do that afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw it out there. It came, it came what about Hell, Michigan? Desk. Is that an actual place? Yeah, Hell, Michigan. Uh, I thought that was called Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Very close. Very close. <laughs> that is actually Hell. <laughs> well, um, anybody got any wrapping up comments here? Uh, Ben's got to go to bed. He's got work tomorrow, like usual. I do too, actually, but yeah, whatever. Miguel, any closing thoughts? No, good discussion. You know, it's 8.30. What time do you go to bed? What are you, four? <laughs> no, but I do have to get up at 4.30. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Mike are the night owls over here on the East Coast. Yeah, right, it's 11.30. Actually, Miguel too, right? Aren't you st just, no, Central Time? Central. All right. Just so you guys know, like maybe a month, a month and a half ago, Mark actually came down to visit me in Long yeah, Island. I had met. Nice, he, he brought his girlfriend and I was there with my brother. We had a nice long conversation. And then Barely uh, got a I, word stood up, I, I stood up <laughs> to take a picture with him. And then he stood and basically stepped over me. 
I saw that it picture. Was, it's it was crazy. Really, I didn't. I had no idea. Yeah. How tall are you, Mark? Very like seven tall. feet. It was. It was. Seven. It was a pleasure to meet you, Micah, and your. It brother. was great. I had your a brother. You got to get. You got to get Micah's brother on the show. His brother knows a lot uh, about this stuff. He as likes well. talking about like the Anunnaki and, yeah. and Sumerians and things of yeah. that nature. Yeah. I, oh I'm shit! Six, eight, by the way. Holy! You're you six, really eight? could step over us. Yeah. yeah. He's six, a lanky eight, motherfucker. <laughs> he could step over me for sure. I'm five five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. Well, let's give our plugs in before we get out of here and we'll let you all go to bed. Micah, plug your shit. On uh, Twitter at Real Mr. Dank, Facebook and Instagram at Micah Dank. Um, I have a six book series, Into the Rabbit Hole, where I go over this kind of astro theology and fringe science and uh, conspiracies and things of that nature. It's called Into the Rabbit Hole by Micah Dank. It's a six book series. The first one is Beneath the Veil. And you guys have to buy the last set, by the way. I know. I'm gonna. Calm down, buddy. <laughs> Just saying. So, yeah, I've got um, I got that. And uh, that's that's basically it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hell yeah. And uh, Miguel, where can we find you and your wonderful voice? Yeah. TheGodAboveGod.com. And yeah, if you want to hear my voice, then yeah, that's where the AM Biognostic Radio Podcast is. All my other social media, email lists, videos, articles, books, all there. So go take a look. Hell yeah. He actually has the voice of a god. Mark, where can we find you? Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on uh, on the show here. And Miguel just came out with a new book. I don't know if this was just for your patrons only, but I got a, a copy of it just before the show. It's uh, it's very no, it's for everybody. Tell us about it. Plug that while while you have. Yeah, a it's just it's, it's something that came over me. It's called Ten Snackable Meditations. It's more, and it's short, quick meditations from different traditions that can transform your head and minutes you know you're having a shitty day you can't get to the gym you can't get to your yoga class or you're out of weed whatever it is and you're like i'm trapped at work or at the airport gate i need this sufi meditation or this uh you know this gurdjieff trick to use so uh, something i put out because uh obviously part of what i like to do is try to create content that helps people especially since 2020 uh, was our apocalypse, and this apocalypse continues. Miguel, do you do awesome. uh, do you do voiceover work? How much would you charge if I just want to dub over sexual healing by Marvin Gaye? What? <laughs> I can't beat Marvin Gaye. Why would you want me to beat Marvin Gaye? He's awesome. <laughs> Your books and, need to be uh, audio. You're leaving a lot of money on the table. <laughs> yeah yeah that would be cool but uh yeah thank you uh for for plugging that miguel and thank you for sending that to me but uh if folks want to hear my show which miguel and mike have both been guests on it's my family thinks i'm crazy and i just started a new podcast with um michael juan speaking of the apocalypse it's called your handbook for the apocalypse and michael juan and i just sort of uh chat about the week and, and make some really cool connections to some synchromystic uh, knowledge and history. And, you know, if you know Mike's work, then you know it's going to be interesting. So check that out. It's on the Susquehanna Alchemy podcast. 
you can also find it on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. So check that out. Fuck yeah. We're, we're actually having Michael on in a couple weeks, I think. Maybe yeah, a month. I'm not excited. sure. But we booked him up. He's going to be, that's going to be a fun one. So everyone stay tuned for that. Uh, uh, also check out altmediaunited.com. Are we yes. all members of that? Miguel, yes. are you on? Yeah, even Mike I is am. actually I'm... on Alt Media United too. He he doesn't nice. have a podcast, but he's been on so many podcasts that you can find all of his podcasts. Uh, I have at least at least <laughs> 170 podcasts listed, and the links are right there. You can just click on the topic, and it's crazy. Yeah, I, I I've been trying to plug that more lately. AltMediaUnited.com. It's right, all your favorite there. podcasts. If you're listening to us, you know every single podcast on that list. So check it out. Cool. All right, you guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to the live viewers and all of your various comments. Sorry I couldn't get to all of them. But thanks for having an open mind. We appreciate everybody. Have a great night. Good night, guys. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.